right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, gather around. I hope you are having a fantastic start to your day, end to your day. Maybe we're finding you smack dab in the middle of the, the long drive from work or whatever it may be. But wherever you are in the world, you're certainly in the right place because uh, we're joined by some absolute killers in the space, some crypto legends. Um, in fact, crypto partners. Um, there's a very big partnership that just got announced between Coinbase and XMTP. So we've brought on two folks, two representatives from both to talk about this partnership and how we're going to be increasing crypto user adoption across the map. So we've got Shane Mack, who's the co-founder of XMTP, and we've got Sid, uh, Siddhartha Coelho Prabhu, who is the senior director uh, of product management at Coinbase. So Shane, Sid, welcome to the Crypto 101 podcast. Hey guys, TiVo here to tell you about the Ufi Video Lock, a smart lock, a 2K camera, and a doorbell all in one. That's right, three in one for triple the security. It's easy to install. All you need is a Phillips screwdriver, no drilling required. It gives you keyless entry, so no more fumbling your keys when you have your hands full coming back from the grocery store. No more worry about the kids losing a house key. No more worry about a guest losing the house key or forgetting the passcode on your door. And for Airbnbers, it's a no-brainer as you can change the passcode at will between renters. It has available fingerprint recognition and it has AI self-learning chips. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You will have no anxiety with the battery charging. It is a rechargeable battery and it lasts around four months. But don't worry, when it's low, it'll give you plenty of weeks notice. And also, it always comes with a physical key as a backup. There's no monthly fee. Unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee to get your backup recordings, they're always recorded locally and you will always have access. Customer support for the Ufi Video Lock is 24-7, so you don't have to worry about any issues you have. And it comes with an 18-month warranty. What I love about this product is it is truly all-in-one. With the three-in-one, you don't have to go out and buy multiple parts. It's all in this package with the Eufy Video Lock. So if you're interested in learning more, go on Amazon and search Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock. Again, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock. Get complete control over your front door. Hey, it's great to be here. Thanks for having us, man. Yeah, great to be here as well. Thank you. Yeah. We're, we're excited. Um, and Brendan, do you, uh, do you feel the energy? Do you feel the, the lightning, the electricity in the air with these two? Yeah, this is going to be a big one. This is going to be an exciting one. A lot of people are tuning in and, you know, sometimes they might be on the fence, especially with where the market's at. But this yeah. time we are coming with some electricity. So get ready for it. No, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm big on this because this isn't just another, you know, flash in the pan. I mean, this is truly a, a lasting partnership with the goal of bringing more user adoption. And that's really what we want. And so um, before we dive in to what this partnership is and how it's going to grow the space and make just things easier um, for all of us, um, I want to get to know you guys a little bit and introduce you to the audience and just a little bit about the background. And so Sh Shane, Mac, we'll start with you. Um, you know, tell us a little bit about your background, how you came to found um, the protocol, uh, XMTP, and then um, Sid, we'll, we'll move on to you right after. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, I've been working on messaging and social for the last 15 years of my life. And my first startup, actually, we were building on top of Twitter and Facebook mm. data to aggregate social data and identity around email addresses and be able to build a smarter address book. 
that ended up growing to 100 million people in under two years. And BlackBerry bought it for 50 million bucks in wow. 2009. And I worked on BBM. And actually, BBM was the light bulb. When I saw messaging on BBM... BlackBerry Messenger, people, right? For those BlackBerry who don't know. Messenger, right? People wanted to have their BBM pin code. People were buying Blackberries because of the BlackBerry Messenger. Mm -hmm. I was like, holy crap. People's affinity towards messaging and status and having this device actually is because they have BlackBerry Messenger. The double check mark came from there, yep. which is now how WhatsApp works. Like All these innovations were happening. And for me, I was like, this is how the world should work. Why do I have to call a business? Like, Why do I have to use a phone book? Like, Why can't everything just go towards messaging. And I think for me, uh, that inspired me to go work on my next company, which was business messaging, a the first platform to ever bring businesses to Facebook Messenger, WhatsApp, mm. SMS, Apple Business Chat, etc. And I was the CEO of that for almost nine years. And during that time, I was in San Francisco. All my friends were working on crypto. I knew a lot of people building. Mm -hmm. Ethereum had already happened. My co-founder now was way more into the crypto space. And everyone was kind of building and the question for me in 2019, our company got acquired, you know, was, could there be a new identity? Is the wallet address going to be it? Or is it going to be a mechanism by which you will own your identity? Mm. And if that's true, is there an opportunity to build a base layer messaging protocol that is more secure than like an SMS per se for this new means of transferring digital kind of value between different addresses? Um, and that sparked a conversation with Robert Leshner, who's the uh, co-founder of Compound uh, Protocol. And he said, hey, I have $11 billion in a smart contract. I know every single address of everyone who owns it. And I can't send 95% of them a message. Mm. Why can't I communicate to people that are so valuable to this protocol? He said, imagine if a bank couldn't talk to 95% of their customers. <laughs> and that was like a light bulb for me. And I was like, that's crazy. And for, for me, I love messaging. I've always worked on it. If I'm going to do something else, I might as well do the same thing I've been doing. And there were two opportunities. One was to build something with a new mechanism that had a better relationship with developers. So in my past, I built on top of Facebook and on top of SMS and on top of Twitter. And for 15 years, I got rugged. I got APIs changed, the business model mm -hmm. changed, they pulled the curtains, V2 cut us off, we had to do new deals, it was all backdoor deals. Everything felt like building on top of them was so hard mm -hmm. and it wasn't a mutual partnership or relationship where we were actually driving the same way together. Totally. Because they had to build an ad business, so they needed to aggregate all the attention to the application layer, cut off all the developers, and ultimately, most of those ecosystems died. Right. And so for me, that was the opportunity really looking forward was the ability to build a new communication protocol in a way that actually worked with developers versus against them. Can I just say, I love that approach. You looked at it and you said, how can we make Web3 better than Web2? What are we missing in Web3? What can we complement what's already happening? And you started there with the problem and then ended up with the solution where as a lot of the time people just jump in, they go, oh, I want to jump in the Web3. They don't really know what they want to do yet. They don't know what kind of problems they want to solve. We see that with a lot of projects, but you jumped right in. You said that you saw this $5 billion problem and that was just with Compound. And then you started working towards the solution. I just think that approach to crypto and Web3 is such a strong one. It's the only thing I know. And every <laughs> single person I talked to said the same thing. They would show me these Dune dashboards and all these things of all these wallet addresses. And I would say, what do you do with it? <laughs> and they'd be like, uh... Yeah, you know, I, you know, it's we can see all the stuff happening between them, and I was like, "But 
can you message them or build relationships with them? Like they're people, like, what are you going to do? And it was very clear in that moment, everyone said, but if I could reach the wallet and communicate to the wallet, mm. that would unlock mm. everything. And that was kind of, I think the insight that led to, you know, Sid and even the Coinbase conversation. Yeah, that's incredible. And I, I definitely want to dive in more there because there's so much to unpack. But um, Sid, I do want to make sure that we um, get up to speed on, on how you became Senior Director of Product Management here at Coinbase and, and really what drove you. Yeah, for sure. So uh, I have a background in a variety of different things. I started my career in investment banking. Uh, then I went to work in government. Then I was a fintech entrepreneur. So I've done a bunch of different things. And at some point, I read the Bitcoin white paper. And something just like clicked in my head. And I said, this is the future. I've worked in like finance 1.0. And there's so many broken things about that model. Uh, and, you know, both I've worked in the West as well as emerging markets. And I was like, this is the future. And so I, I interviewed at Coinbase. It just so happened that uh, our CEO, Brian, wanted to launch this product. There would be a self-custody wallet and uh, specifically focused on Ethereum. And it was the beginning of uh, like Ethereum had just launched recently. People were building dApps and we wanted to build a gateway. And so he hired me to help launch the product. And so I came on board, uh, launched Wallet. Uh, it was called Toshi back then. And I've just been working on it ever since over the last six years. And it's been an incredible journey because what we've seen is we started with the core premise of just self-custody and giving people access to their own crypto anywhere in the world. And we've layered on all these new layers of interaction. As Web3 has been building them, we've been bringing them to customers. So it started with dApps and then NFTs, and then uh, ERC-20 tokens, and then DEX trading and staking, and now, and then ENS, the identity protocol to give everyone usernames, and now all the way to uh, messaging. And and that's really our goal is to be kind of your app that you open up, and it's a universal banking and finance, but also social app, and you can do everything you want in Web3, all within the most secure and easiest to use experience. And so, yeah, I've been doing this for six years now. Every year has been a new challenge, a new set of developments in the industry, a new set of opportunities. And uh, I, I still love coming to work every day because I get to work and partner with awesome people like Shane uh, and uh, and build incredible product. I love it. No, that, that's incredible. And we're going to dive into some more specifics about um, Coinbase Wallet and you know how it's different uh, from maybe even Coinbase Exchange. But one thing I wanted to go back uh, with Shane and, and kind of, I love the idea of XMTP where you could have all this inter-chain messaging and um, it's it's more than just human-to-human -human messaging, which I think is so important because it's really, it enables secure machine-to-machine -machine messaging as well. And I think that's what a lot of people don't really realize is that cryptocurrency is not just the future of money for people, but it's the future of money for AI and machines. And so do you kind of see your protocol and this space developing along that way where you have autonomous, secure machine-to-machine -machine interactions and payments and all of that kind of being facilitated with Ethereum and XMTP? Or is that just a pipe dream of the Web3 bros? Not at all. I think uh, machines, to, machines talk to machines all day, every day, right? I think it even goes further than that. Mm. If you think about every single identity as having a story, every single wallet has a story. Your ability to actually talk to any address in a world where the AI and chat GPTs are coming online, you can even imagine human to human, machine to machine, human to machine, mm -hmm. right? And so if you go even further, every single identity on a blockchain has a history. And the history is actually fascinating. 
of what's happened, what's transferred, where did the things go? Who are the other people? What are their histories? What are they interacting with? What are the overlaps between all these communities and the ability to actually communicate from peer to peer, machine to machine, or even people to machine. Yeah. Plus with everything coming in the future with AI, I think all those are totally possible and even more that we're probably not even thinking about, which is why working with developers to go explore and build all these cool experiences is amazing. And Shane, can you explain the concept of digital identity? Because I know we're going to be throwing around that term as we continue to dive in here, but everyone listening might not understand exactly what a digital identity is and the significance of it. I mean... Dids, as they are called, uh, right? The <laughs> dids, yeah, digital. XMTP actually is identity agnostic, mm. Mm. Um, and we actually work with many partners like Coinbase, who has the CB.ID identity, right? Um, they enable people. Sid could probably talk about it better to get that identity and own that identity when they join Coinbase Wallet, and I think. The major difference for me is just instead of renting your identity from Instagram or Twitter or any of these platforms, the ability to own your identity in the future mm. so that no one can take that from you and you can use that across all of the applications in, in all of the space is the shift. You're not just using your one Instagram handle on Instagram. You're actually using the identity you own to talk on WhatsApp, to talk on iMessage, to talk on Instagram, but in our world, it's different products and different services, but actually now they all work together. And that ability to work together and you own it means that the owner of a platform can't want your Twitter handle and just take it from mm -hmm. you. And I think that's a huge and very important shift that needs to happen based on the last 15 years of the internet. Oh yeah. And it totally empowers like, you know, you and me and just the, the average user to say, Hey, I'm building a following on Facebook. And then you know, I could bring that following to the next new platform and bring it to the next new platform. And I'm not really tied down to to one platform, which, you know, completely subverts the the economics of, of the, you know, the Web2, you know, kind of ecosystem that we've been in. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Um, so yeah, it, it, it sounds just, you know, really, you know, beyond incredible. And, uh, you know, I, I think that, you know, Sid, there's, um, there's a lot of things that Coinbase could be working on. Um, you know, wh why do you think that this is so important? Identities in particular? Yeah, exactly. Identities and really like kind of solving it in this way. Do you think that, um, you know, of, of all the things you could be working on, this is like the one that needs to be solved? Yeah, I think it's one of the core primitives of, uh, so let, let's take a step back, right? We're seeing this like bigger story arc where people are now like building their lives or at least some portion of their lives on chain. And mm -hmm. so what that means is they're not just buying crypto and trading it anymore. That's kind of very like five years ago. What we're seeing now is a little bit more of like you buy NFTs and you join a community and now you represent yourself as being someone in that community. You have, a, you have opinions that you share in that community. You may do the same thing for other assets that you own. You may be uh, transacting with people online and maybe you do business online and you get paid in crypto. And so you want to you share out like a, a handle that people can know you by. 
mm-hmm. for all of these reasons, you're basically becoming like a citizen of Web3, or an on-chain citizen. And if you're doing that, every citizen has a passport or, you know, you're a citizen of any country have a passport. We want to give that to people. And, you know, right now people have this world where if I wanted to send you money, Bryce, you would probably send me a 40 digit address and I'd have to copy and paste it and be really like clunky. And if I made a mistake, the money would get lost. Uh, and also, you know, if, if you do kind of have a personality on, on Twitter, for example, and you have people that follow you, maybe people want to see what you're buying and selling and, uh, you know, they want to see uh, what communities you're a part of. There's no real way to share that unless we all adopt a common sense of identity and a, a common protocol and standard. And mm-hmm. so about, uh, I want to say a year and a half ago, we worked with the ENS Foundation. And, you know, ENS is probably the most widely adopted uh, username protocol and system out there. And we said, you know what, why don't we try and pioneer together a free ENS that's similar to the .eth system. It's it's the same system. It's in, it's compatible with it. But you know, with .eth, you've got to pay money. You've got to pay money on mainnet. It can cost anywhere from ten dollars to twenty dollars to fifty dollars, depending on uh, the kind of the gas fees at the time. And, and then, not to mention, some of these e- .ens names are thousands of dollars. I've seen. You know. Yeah, ab- absolutely right. And so, look, that's a vanity. It's like a vanity license plate, right? Like if you want one, mm. you're free to go buy one. But what about like really like going mainstream, emerging markets, global reach? We said, let's give everyone a free username that's compatible with this broader system that everyone is uh, buying. So maybe the analogy I'd give you is, you know, in the early days of the internet, uh, you if you wanted your own email, you would probably like very, very early days of the internet, you'd have to buy your own domain and then, you know, set up your email on it, right, with your own server. And we right. said, no, let's, do, let's have the Hotmail moment where we give everyone a free username. All you do is you sign up for Coinbase Wallet. And right in the onboarding, you just type in your the username you want. And it, it's actually not just a username in our system. It's a universal username. And, you know, you can use it in any other wallet that supports ENS. The dApps will recognize it because it's all built on one protocol. That's the power of protocols, right? And we've done that. And we've actually now given away more free ENS-based uh, CB.IDs than there are actually L1 ENS, you know, .eats. And, and so it's been very, it's been hugely wow. successful. Customers love it. Uh, and, uh, and so we're pretty proud and, you know, for customers that do want like the, the full, like the experience of buying their own username, we support that fully. We support the dot eats it's native inside wallet, uh, but we also give them this free option. And so that's, that's just the base, right? Like that, that makes it easy for people to send and receive crypto, but we're also seeing people now building their identity. So if you go to profile.coinbase.com, you can look up any ENS in the ecosystem, whether it's a dot eat or a CB.ID. And you can see the 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 broader strokes of their uh, profile, right? Like, what else you what else kind of identity are they building? Which NFTs do they own? Which assets do they own? Uh, and now in the future, you'll also be able to message them. And that's mm. you see all the layers are coming together, right? You can you can pay them, you can message them, and so all of these puzzle pieces are coming together into like a really rich experience for Web three citizens. Yeah, and it really and you know this isn't like a, a question, more of a comment, but. It does seem like it. It's you know reinventing the social network, but also in, in so far as we're no, not going to like have a bunch of these impersonators and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Like on Twitter, you know, I've got a, a small following, but sometimes there's these impersonators that have my same picture, my same bio, and all that stuff, but it's off by one letter, one. And you know, people will be like, "Well, why'd you just friend request me? Didn't you already follow me?" And it's like that's not me. And so in this new paradigm that you guys are building, that kind of stuff wouldn't wouldn't really happen i imagine that's exactly right just think about the case so you know the in the nft community right there's a lot of like trading and bartering that happens 
And so what will usually happen is like you'll have someone who's like popular, like a bit of a like a, a crypto Twitter character, a personality. They've got a following. Someone will now go into a Discord of that community and send a message pretending to be them. And, the, you know, because it's Discord, it's not uh, may or may not be blockchain verified. They'll mm-hmm. now say, hey, I have this NFT. You want to barter it? Here's a link. Click on the link. People are like, oh, that's a great deal. They click on the link. Boom, they're, all their NFTs are gone and they're scammed. You know, then they go back to Twitter and they're like, oh, look, look at what happened to me. If this was to happen inside Coinbase wallet with XMTP, when you see someone messaging you, you tap at the top and you see that that username, you see what they hold. That's all based on like what's on chain. There's no there's no fool in there. Like like mm. in order to like you don't have to trust their attestation. Yeah, you, you have a verified attestation mm. for them to for them to be able to first send you that XMTP message in the first place. They've got to sign it with their keys that control that wallet. So now you know mm. there's a one to one relationship. This can't be someone who's spoofing or pretending. It's very much like what you see is what you get. Uh, and that's a really powerful like trust boost for the ecosystem because it's certainly not where we are today when you look at what's going on, on on Twitter and all the scams out there. And this is also where verified messaging was the thing we saw as the most important first use case because of all the scams uh, happening across the space is the ability to message someone and know that the person you're talking to owns what they say they own because the identity is actually tied to the account number, changes so many things Amen. for everyone, including the idea that a message is signed by the actual private key for that wallet. What's cool about that is think about sending wires today and the biggest interactions in the world that happen when you just send across this money to this random address and you send six cents and eight cents before to make sure that they actually got the the wire to yeah, then send it again. <laughs> that whole interaction, when the message is signed by the same key that's signing the account, is gone. Mm-hmm. I would literally just say, "Hey, Bryce, this is this is Shane MacDotEth," and the message is guaranteed and verifiable that it mm-hmm. came from that wallet. That solves such bigger things that I think people aren't really seeing or thinking about yet, but everyone's felt the pain of. I mean, definitely. It's been a problem in crypto for pretty much as long as crypto has been around. And doing that would solve one of the biggest gripes that people have in this space, right? Because we have these outside sources, and that's what they always like to kind of pick at crypto with. But if you have the solution to eliminate that problem, and it sounds like we are very, very close to getting to that point, you know, that brings... I would say we're here. I mean, we're here. That would... Yeah, remove the biggest, I would say, like withholding point for a lot of the people that aren't in crypto. If you have this just like safe haven option. Anyway, I, I think it's awesome. I think it's cool. I have a question for, for I guess, both of you about like once you set up your um, your decentralized identity, is this now cross chain? You know, say I go through um, you guys, is this now a cross-chain identity? Do I need to set up a new one for Ethereum, a new one for Solana, and so on and so forth? Or is this cross-chain? And the same goes with the messaging as well. Am I able to do cross-chain messaging from something like Ethereum to a Solana identity? I'm just curious how you know the, the different cross-chain aspects work in this. I can take the wallet piece and then maybe Shane can take the uh, the messaging piece, right? So I'll give you the, the very real example of Coinbase wallet, right? So Coinbase Wallet is a multi-chain wallet. We support Ethereum and the entire EVM L2 ecosystem. So all of the, you know, the the, the 15 different L2s uh, and more. So we support all of them. We also support Solana and then we also support Bitcoin. 
And so you can see we've got all the top blockchains wow. all in one in one app. For our identity system in particular, we picked a uh, we picked ENS, and ENS is kind of like a an EVM centric identity system, right? It's actually logged to the Ethereum blockchain. However, it does allow you to add addresses for other chains, and so it's a good hybrid approach where yes, Ethereum secures the the protocol, but it lets you address different blockchains. And so, for example, with your CBID. It'll have your Ethereum address and it'll also have your bit, one Bitcoin address and one Solana address. So if someone wants to send you crypto, uh, they can send you any of those different, uh, like, you know, like coins on any of those different chains. Uh, and then the messaging aspect is blockchain agnostic. And so maybe Shane, off over to you to, to handle that piece. Totally. Yeah. Like I said earlier, XMTP is identity agnostic. It is also chain mm. agnostic. And that is very, very important. Our focus on the go-to-market has been around the EVM ecosystem and all the development partners to make that work. But that's all the infrastructure we need to then be able to communicate to any identity and any wallet address in the world. And really any identity in the world. That's really, I think, ultimately the goal. Um, And Mm -hmm. because the consumers, to go to billions of people, I just want to share my digital ticket with Bryce. I might not even know the name of the chain. I might not know the name of the technology, the L2, any of it. I might not even know XMTP exists. What I need to know is that I can send a verified message and a digital asset or a digital ticket or a digital kind of signature to another person. Um, And so we're very much focused on that long-term vision to bring a lot more people in the space. Yeah, no, I love it. It, it's, It's funny when you say it like that, it makes so much sense because you know, we, you know, we watch Netflix or HBO and we're not thinking, oh, well, is it coming from an Akamai server or is it coming from AWS or, you know, what, what web uh, API endpoint or socket? It's, you, you just care that you're getting the content delivered. You don't care really how it's done in the background. Um, and so, you know, with, with something like, you know, what you guys are building, um, it really abstracts a lot of that um, confusion and stuff away from it. And so you just get basically the service and, and the product that you want. I guess one of the questions that comes up naturally here is um, blockchains are totally public. Are the messages totally public? Or is there a way to encrypt them or make it so that the person you're messaging is the only person reading that? It's very important to kind of separate the two. So Mm. the messaging is private and encrypted. And it is not on chain. Got it. And the thing that is on chain is the public identifier that allows for the encryption and decryption to happen with your private key. And so that is kind of the differences of the two. We use your public wallet identity to be able to route messages and send between wallet addresses, but the messages themselves are stored off-chain, fully encrypted, and privacy and security are very important to everything we're doing. And kind of along that same line, um, I'm curious just about like, is there a way like for the inbox, is there a way to determine who could message you with like whitelists or a spam filter or those kind of things that just get developed over time? Totally. And we're working a lot on this at both the protocol level and the application level. Coinbase already in their wallet has an approve, just like a DM you would get on Instagram or Twitter. 
Um, they already have, if you've never got a message from someone before and no past interactions, you have to approve that message before it actually is able to send you push notifications or land in your inbox. And I think those kind of controls will be very standard. And there's also things we can do at the protocol level in the future to help give more information to applications to better sort and innovate on the inbox and how to help users control their inbox. Uh, and I think both are actually very important to ultimately give users more control over their attention. And Sid, I got a question for you. I mean, what um, what other ways are you hoping to see decentralized messaging and payments used? Like, is this going to be something that you see being used for alerts and announcements and businesses and different kinds of automation? There's so many different ways that pretty much this system can be applied. So I'm curious, like, what's, what's going through your brain? Where do you want to see this stuff really kind of play its part long term? Yeah, it's a great question. It's something we wrestle with all the time and very closely with Shane as well. I think it's very clear to me that in the in the medium to long term, it's everywhere, right? The whole the whole point of like a decentralized protocol is that it it's general purpose. It can be used for so many different things. And in the beginning, though, as you try to you, you start going zero to one, where are the best places to look for early adoption? And so some of the like green shoots we're seeing is like. There's some section of users that do want to be able to message other users securely. Uh, and, you know, they, they're already in the crypto ecosystem. They're Web3 natives and they want to be able to know that when they message another Web3 native, they are reaching the right person. And then, you know, when they send money, they don't have to like send test transactions and everything. They can first see that the identity itself and chat with it uh, for free and then send the money that they want to send or do an NFT trade, etc. So very much the peer-to-peer uh, kind of messaging and transacting component. Uh there's another component which is also in the peer-to-peer space, which is you know many of the of the existing uh, finance apps that let you do peer-to-peer payments. They all tend to be very geo-restricted. So you know, like Cash App, I think is very like Western and like you know it's only in a couple of countries. Same thing with Venmo. Uh, I think there's another angle here where both messaging and payments for peer-to-peer are global in in self-custody wallets with XMTP. So like Coinbase Wallet, anyone in the world can message and now send money to anyone else in the world. That's very powerful. That's still in the peer-to-peer realm. Complementing that and separate is the DApp developer, influencer, like to and you know, like creator to user stream. And so the idea here is, I think you know, Shane mentioned this as well. Like guys like Robert Leshner of Compound don't have a way to reach their users. They have a thriving user base, hundreds of thousands of users. They'd have no way to use them to reach them. So mm-hmm. that's another way. And I don't see these as being very different use cases. They both help grow the network. They both help grow adoption. In an ideal world, you open up your wallet and you see some critical alerts from your dApp. You also see a couple of messages from people that you know in the ecosystem. And those are very complimentary sitting in the same inbox. And so those are at least two of the ways uh, that I definitely see a little bit of adoption. There's also an, an angle of communities, right? Like over time, do you actually have your communities participating in similar forums? So it's like more of a multi-dimensional graph and people are like chatting in a com- common community and then they break off in, in, in one-on-one chats because they, they want to connect about something that someone said in an open forum. So that area we haven't really seen. Uh, I think that we'll see that eventually, but right now mm-hmm. I think it's the peer-to-peer use cases, the dap to user use cases. And, and this, you know, honestly, to me, seems like an extension and an improvement Honestly, going back to a, a long time earn, uh, you know, that Coinbase acquired from Bology, um, you know, where you were able to, uh, you know, 
give somebody $5 to get to the top of their inbox or you could set your price. Hey, I want to spend, you know, spend, give me $20 and I'll answer your email. And like, that's another thing that you guys could apply here. And, um, it just seems so relevant. So you guys are just, you know, continuing to expand there's, on greatness. <laughs> there's so many use cases that one applications can innovate on that. Today, totally. Right. So the, imagine there's a request box like you have on Twitter, but because it's built so connected to, um, a wallet platform, the ability to attach $10 to open this message and a application like Coinbase wallet could facilitate mm. that type of, uh, request inbox that actually gives value to the end user and the wallet itself. Right. There's so many versions of that, that I think, uh, can really help to drive more value towards the end user, which I think is ultimately the goal of the entire space. Yeah, no, there's, uh, this is actually bringing to mind uh, kind of this big new trend that just kind of caught fire this last couple of weeks with friend tech and a kind of, you know, iterating on similar concepts that, um, that, you know, almost you guys and earn were, were, um, do you guys have any general high level thoughts, you know, kind of open it up, uh, on, on what that system is, or, you know, we could breeze over it. I'm just curious if you had seen anything about that, Sid or Shane. I'll let Sid respond because I've I've haven't used it enough, but I just love seeing people innovate on user value models, mm -hmm. new models in which people can exchange interaction and kind of like uh, value between each other, or even like investing in others at a people level. Um, and then to see it built on base is also like super cool. I also think what's cool that they did is they built it in a way to do commerce in an L two with kind of a messaging and peer-to-peer uh, -peer investing thing mm -hmm. outside of the app store, right? Yeah. So to see them do it in a Safari browser and you download it as part of the onboarding and it installs an app, but it's really just a bookmark on my home screen <laughs> shows one, how like much work they had to do to even make it work. And two, I think maybe can start showing Apple and the others like how much value there is to be captured here to start working together on making it possible to innovate in the space at an application level. Yeah. yeah and it. it's funny, I, I was just tweeting about Frantech over the weekend. It's definitely like so exciting <laughs> to see. I mean, it's really fun, right? If you're in this space, you want to see like fun experiments. It, it, it like the experiments themselves may be short term successful or long term successful, but some of these ideas that they create then spin off new uh, launches and new products. And so a couple of the things that are really interesting is just the idea that like very spontaneously these decentralized markets could pop up, right? Mm -hmm. And you, people were just able to just like come on board, import their identities and a market would spin up around their identity and their level of influence. And you would have these bonding curves that would just automatically price like the, you know, based on supply and demand. That's really innovative. And, uh, and, you know, you have this underlying blockchain that can like help make all of this stuff easy to build uh, and provably, you know, secure that you wouldn't have in a Web2 system. Uh, and then the other piece is like, you know, also the other thing I was tweeting about was this is actually brings me back to the Balaji earn inbox, right? Where use, where creators would set a price for how much they could be re reached at with the paid inbox. And now with Frentech, it's just something that's dynamically priced based on supply and demand. So I thought that was pretty nifty too. <laughs> Yeah, very clever stuff. Um, no, while I have you guys both, I wanted to see if I could get some clarity on a a topic that's been eluding me a little bit. Um, I honestly haven't given it that uh, too much of a deep dive, but it's the concept of account abstraction. 
And I think this is a new term that people have been talking about, and it's going to make wallets a, a heck of a lot more understandable and easier to use. Um, Sid, could you kind of give Crypto 101 listeners a, uh, a high level just of in, you know, what this is and why you know, uh, the Ethereum pro, uh, Foundation is kind of pushing for it? Yeah, absolutely. Well, very excited. About- and are you guys going to use it? <laughs> uh, so I am personally very excited about account abstraction technology. I think the simplest way to explain it is that uh, today your wallet is, when you think about what a wallet is, right? It's it's an app that you install. And then the app, the at the core, it manages your public and private keys. But then all of the other logic that you see around recovering your keys, backing up your keys, using dApps, etc., uh, all of that is really just the code that's running on your phone, right? So all those rules are written by, in our case, it's written by Coinbase. If you're using another wallet, it's written by the developers of that wallet. And it's all running like kind of this local code. What if you could take all of that logic and actually write it as a smart contract, actually put the code of the wallet itself and write it as a, blo- as, as a blockchain app? And what would that enable? And that would mm-hmm. enable more sophisticated and maybe even easier ways to manage your keys, for example. So what if instead of just having this one 12-word recovery phrase that secures your wallet and if you lose it, all your funds are gone, what if you could actually set it up so that, hey, I have two friends and they uh, can help me recover, three friends can help me recover my wallet uh, in case uh, you know I lose my phone. Or right now you've got to have things like you've got to add gas to your wallet, right? And you've got to manually do add gas to your wallet. And then you know if you run out of gas, you've got to go get more gas, et cetera. What if you could just not ha- deal with gas anymore? And when you want to send crypto, you could just send it with the press of a button and the gas is just handled abstractly behind the scenes because you gave permission uh, once to some like a, a paymaster contract or some, you know, kind of some blockchain infrastructure that took care of it for you. So all of the little like like quirks and weird stuff about that you have to learn when you want to start using crypto today, you can smooth out a lot of those wrinkles by using a account abstracted wallet. It's just a, you know, it's a wallet that's designed to like take care of a lot of the the quirks of, of blockchain today. And that's why I'm pretty excited about it. Uh, I think, however, there is uh, an adoption curve. The ecosystem is innovating, building, learning, seeing what works, what doesn't. Uh, it's expensive to deploy these things. You've got to deploy them individually to each blockchain uh, that or each, you know, L2 that you wanted to work on, et cetera. So there's some... It's uh, it's not a slam dunk to say we can launch it tomorrow. It's going to take some time for us to really like uh, get to a point where we're like, hey, yeah, this makes a lot of sense to bring you know millions of users and billions of dollars into play. So that's my uh, that's my those are my hot takes on account abstraction. Love it, greatly appreciated. Well, Sid, Shane, oh, yeah. I'll let you go, Shane. Yeah, I was just gonna say. Account abstraction for me is something even bigger because when I saw a demo of it really early on, someone showed me logging in with a Twitter handle, a phone number, an email, or a GitHub, and a wallet address is instantly associated with it. And in my head, I was like, can my Twitter handle now communicate to my phone number? Hmm. And we're like, yeah. And all of a sudden, this idea of the walled silos of WhatsApp, of Twitter DMs, of Instagram DMs, of SMS, I was like, holy shit, could I have a single app, even Coinbase Wallet, that allowed for talking between a Twitter handle, 
a WhatsApp ID, wow. a phone number, an ENS name, just because account abstraction exists. And then I was like, the answer is yes. And I was like, holy crap, what else could happen? And for me, every identity in the world, including the ones of today, can now have a wallet address underneath it associated with it. So if you go out even further, iCloud is just going to add wallet addresses underneath it, whether I have a .eth or not. My email in my iCloud, my phone number, phone number in my iCloud, but also I could have a CB ID in my iCloud or not, but those could all have wallet addresses and the ability to own digital things now associated at a device level. Wow. What happens then? Well, now my iCloud can communicate to Coinbase wallet inbox. What if in the future there's a black bubble inside of iMessage, not just a green bubble that is a secure interoperable layer, but also can send payments? That's possible. Wow. That's a that, that's a that's a very much possibility of how do you give secure interoperability to every messaging platform in the world that also can do more things than just send messages. The future's here. Uh, that's all I can say. You know, it's it's uh, it's a bright future, and it's coming a lot quicker than uh, I think a lot of people expect it. Um, it's it's not somewhere you know way out there, but you know it's coming it's coming fast. It's going to be an electrifying one. But Sid Chain, before <laughs> we let you go, for those that are listening and out there, they're getting ready to either get into crypto for the first time or they're getting ready to get back into crypto. They've been in the space before. What's something that you want them to know and walk away with as we go into this final part of 2023? Shane, you want to go first? <laughs> yeah, you could You could uh, make it as simple as like, you know, just a word from the wise. Um, you know, what are some things that uh, some crypto, you know, new folks can kind of, keep top of mind to stay secure, to use the best products, anything like that? You know, I would say for me, being someone who really, I'm not as OG as a lot of people in this space, mm. probably naive to some, to compare to many of them. But what I see being built now is real utility, is better user experience that makes lives better and can do things like send global payments for free, which just can't happen today. And when I see use cases like that, I get excited. And I think what I would say is crypto isn't about speculating on tokens and driving these completely irrational token markets that I think have driven the space for the past decade. And actually, it's moving to true value, true utility, and building things that make people's lives better. And that's what I'm excited about. And what I'm excited about is, and especially you know, if you're new to the space, I think everywhere around you, you see examples of, I think you know, Shane, for example, mentioned the the example of someone's Twitter handle being taken away because X wanted it, uh, or you see people's <laughs> bank accounts being taken away from them in certain countries, or you know, there's, the whole world is full of examples of why the idea of like self-sovereignty and the idea of like controlling your own funds, controlling your own identity, uh, being a global citizen have never been more important. And I think crypto technology enables that. So I would I would strongly encourage everyone to experiment with storing your own crypto, onboarding friends and family, showing them how easy it is now. We've, we've made such leaps and bounds in terms of technology and user experience. It's genuinely easy enough for like anyone of your friends and family to try out crypto today. Uh, teach them how to send crypto anywhere in the world. Teach them about stable coins, about you know fast free payments, like Shane said. Uh, there's a lot of cool stuff happening. Uh, so yeah, I would encourage everyone to, to try it out and experiment. Love it. And first and foremost as well, uh, download Coinbase Wallet and see what 
what's cooking over there um, between this amazing partnership. So Sid and Shane, thank you for your time and thank you for uh, being such you know awesome contributors to the space. Hey, thank you for having us. And if you do download Coinbase Wallet, please send me a message at shanemac.eth. And me too. I'm sidcoin.eth. Uh, look forward <laughs> to chatting with you all securely and privately. Awesome. Love it. Everybody at home listening, hope you enjoyed. Take care. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.